0: Welcome uh, to this podcast on death, tombs and burials in the early Christian world This morning we will talk not so much on tombs and burials but on matters relating to death and in particular a certain kind of death I am Professor Gerard van den Jefer and this morning I have as guest with me Professor Chris de Wet from the Department of Biblical and Ancient Studies at the University of South Africa to explore the topic of martyrdom Professor De Vette, we usually think of martyrdom as a defining feature of the interaction between early Christian groups and the Roman Empire in which the Jesus movement grew and grew. But the phenomenon of martyrdom actually predates the arrival of Christianity. Tell us more about what martyrdom is and where do we find it in the Greco-Roman world outside of and before the emergence of Christianity?
1: Uh, thank you very much, uh, Professor Van Yefer, for the opportunity uh, to to speak with you today. Um, so, martyrdom uh, is—we can say today in very popular terms—that martyrdom means dying for a very specific cause or belief that one has. Uh, and lately, it's really been understood as dying for a religious belief. Although we should be we should understand that being a martyr does not necessarily mean you die for religious belief, it could also be a political belief uh, but it means dying for something you believe in, something you believe in so strongly that you are willing to lay down your life for it so the word martyr comes from the Greek word martus which actually means a witness Uh, so martyrdom also has this element to it that it is a witnessing Um, uh, Later in in early Christian literature martus becomes a technical term for martyrdom but in the earliest texts it simply means witness Now in terms of martyrdom in the Greco-Roman world outside of and before the emergence of Christianity we have the most famous case in the Jewish context is probably the the case of the Maccabean martyrs the Maccabean martyrs were Jewish uh, revolutionaries who believed in, uh, in, in their own Jewish faith so much that they were willing to lay down their lives for it It happened in the 2nd century BC around, uh, we're not exactly sure on the exact date but it's probably in the 170's thereabouts before Christ that we have uh, the reign of the Seleucid Uh, Ruler Antiochus IV and several others who were very strict Hellenizers and who wanted to turn the world into a Greek world so to speak and uh, during this period Palestine and in particular Jerusalem fell under the rule of some of the Seleucid rulers and they enforced some rules and laws into these areas that were seen as being a persecution of the Jewish faith and stopping Jewish persons to perform some of the basic fundamentals of their beliefs such as circumcision for instance and also going to temple. So the Jewish martyrs and particularly the Maccabean martyrs were very influential in shaping early Christian thought about what dying for God means. So I think in terms of understanding early Christian martyrdom the Maccabean martyrs are very, very, very important to understand but it's not only the Jewish faith that had martyrs before Christianity one of the most famous cases that I think we could see as a martyrdom is the martyrdom of the great Greek philosopher Socrates who was uh, imprisoned in Athens uh, because they thought that he was actually um, causing the youth to rebel and they forced him to drink poison So in in Greek philosophical tradition which was very influential in the Roman world, we have what we could call the martyrdom of Socrates, the death of Socrates, which shaped a lot of later beliefs and during the period of early Christianity in 65 uh, uh, CE, we have a famous case of the Stoic philosopher Seneca who was forced by Emperor Nero to drink poison after he was implicated in a conspiracy to assassinate the Emperor So it's very true that martyrdom is not solely a Christian concept but it's something that was common to, uh, to, to the Greco-Roman world in this period
0: I think it might uh, then be fair to say that martyrdom or at least martyrdom traditions were in the air so to speak in the world of Jesus is it possible then to understand Jesus' death also as a martyr's death?
1: I think it is absolutely uh, possible to understand Jesus' death as a martyr's death and we, we could even see that he is probably the first, of, let's say, authentic uh, Christian martyr uh, despite the fact that the Maccabean martyrs whom I just spoke about were adopted by early Christian authors and were almost Christianized. Uh, so it's very interesting that in, in early Christian literature of the second up to the fifth, sixth century, we have the Christianization of Jewish martyrs before Christ, uh, which is very interesting. But when it comes to Jesus, uh, Jesus was understood as one of the very first martyrs. And what is important that it, there is that when when in later times when martyrs, when Christians became martyrs. They believed that they were becoming like Christ because they were carrying his wounds in their own body. There is the very famous apocryphal case of the Apostle Peter. It is apocryphal in the sense that we are not sure whether this happened or not. But whether it happened or not is not the case. The fact that the early story exists is important. So in the martyrdom of the famous Apostle Peter it is uh, said that he was crucified as well but he was crucified upside down because he felt that he was not worthy to be crucified in exactly the way as Jesus was crucified but he was definitely seeing his own death in martyrdom as becoming like Christ. So I think that's definitely the case.
0: When one looks at it like this, um, is it possible to see some similarity between the way in which Jewish texts interpreted the deaths of Jewish martyrs and the way in which the earliest Christian traditions those traditions we now find in textualized in the canonical New Testament interpret the death of Jesus?
1: Yes, I think there are similarities. Um, uh, I think in the New Testament Gospels Uh, we have this very strong idea of Jesus as someone who challenges the status quo Um, uh, his, uh, His statements and actions against the temple are central to why he was arrested in the first place and if we take a Gospel such as the Gospel of Mark the Gospel of Mark is very interesting in that it tends to emphasize the death of Jesus more than any other aspect of, of his life so if we just take Mark as an example uh, you, Mark almost rushes through the first details of Jesus' life but when it comes to the crucifixion he gives us almost excruciating detail about what happened and what happens with Jesus and uh, there is a, a great focus on the suffering of Jesus in that sense so much so that in the earliest texts of Mark we do not have a resurrection narrative because the focus of Mark was not on the resurrection but on the death and the suffering of Jesus Now Mark was most likely written to Christians uh, who were themselves uh, persecuted and who themselves believed that if uh, that their persecution uh, was not in vain and that if they were persecuted they were again mimicking and emulating Jesus in this way. We're not sure where Mark was written. There's a theory that it was written in Rome. There's another theory that says it was written in Antioch in Syria. But it seems that the, that the audience of Mark may have experienced some sort of persecution and that the way Jesus is now depicted to them is in the sense of a martyr. So the author of Mark sketches his version of Jesus as a martyr
0: Um, and then when one uh, gets uh, something like this in the letters of Paul where he says imitate me uh, as I imitate Christ would that play into something like this?
1: I think it would Uh, it's interesting that um, I was uh, saying to a a, a group of people at a lecture quite recently that uh, it would have been interesting if Paul came into the room uh, maybe later in his life and he w- would ask him to perhaps remove his shirt. If the uh, historical accounts of Paul are true then uh, sh- you know his back would have been full of uh, 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 wounds from where he was whipped. He would have had some very bad bumps and bruises uh, because of stones being thrown at him. So when Paul says he carries Christ in his body it, it's something very literal something that we are perhaps um, not, not, not always uh, able to associate with so I think the notion of imitation is very important and that went on into the later centuries that we imitate Christ and early Christians imitated the martyrs in their deaths so much so that there's the tradition that some Christians uh, sought out martyrdom just for the sake of dying that noble death. Um, whether that again happened or not is difficult to ascertain but I would not be surprised if there were in, in fact some people who actually sought out to be martyrs for for this sort of glory. And we should also remember in Jewish tradition um, that the martyrs receive a very special blessing and reward in the afterlife. Um, So, for instance, in Jewish thought, in some uh, circles, some uh, Jewish uh, uh, thought leaders believe that there will be a resurrection, but it will only be the martyrs, for instance. So being a Jewish martyr meant you could partake in the resurrection, which normal non-martyrs did not. If we read the Book of Revelation in early Christianity, martyrs probably take up A a, a very large part of that book and they are the ones who actually receive the greatest reward in the book Um, so we can see that there's definitely uh, uh, some sort of um, interaction between these traditions
0: so it was very much uh, a thing Um, martyrdom it's highly valued and um, now after Jesus with the spread of Christian groups uh, in the Roman Empire and apparently from very early on, as you uh, indicate, we find that Christians often found themselves the victims of violence and persecutions and often leading uh, to being put to death. Could you say something about the mo- uh, a few more uh, well-known cases of martyrs' deaths in the earliest centuries of Christianity?
1: Uh, yes, so, while well, probably besides Jesus, of course, um, the story in Acts of the first Christian martyr, uh, if we exclude Jesus of course, is the case of uh, Stephen who was stoned to death as a martyr and uh, apparently the Apostle Paul was a witness to the stoning of um, to the stoning of Stephen but then uh, uh, outside of the New Testament we have some very very interesting stories about um, uh, martyrs' deaths, for instance uh, in the group of writings that's also known as the Apostolic Fathers. We have the martyrdom of Polycarp who, was, who may have been part of the circle of students of the Apostles, possibly, but whatever the case may be, at a very old age, Polycarp was taken to the Roman arena and according to the story he was tied to a, st- to a stake where, we, where he was supposed to be burnt alive and the story is he received the opportunity to renounce his faith which of course he did not and then they tied him to the stake and they put the wood there and they prepared to ignite the wood and they set it on fire but according to the legend Polycarp did not burn to death but he only started glowing almost like an angel so much so that the Emperor went into a frenzy and commanded the soldiers to stab him with spears And only after stabbing him with spears, did he die after his blood um, doused the flames. So um, uh, that is a very interesting story, these stories about miracles of martyrs' deaths taking place in the arena where many people can see. Um, In the apocryphal acts of the Apostles, we also find very interesting stories. One, again, we can take to the Apostle Paul the Apostle Paul's death is not recounted in the New Testament. So Acts, the book of Acts, ends with Paul under house arrest. So we're actually not entirely sure how the Apostle Paul died, but we do have a later apocryphal tradition that says that Paul died as a martyr in Rome, in fact. And the story is that there was the Emperor Nero and Paul was in Rome preaching the Gospel and one of the Emperor Nero's uh, servants Saul was there listening to Paul and he actually fell out of a window of the building that Paul was preaching in and fell himself to death The apostle came out and he prayed for this um, servant of the emperor the been the slave of the emperor to become alive again and he does become alive and obviously he becomes a Christian he goes back with some others to the emperor, to the emperor's house after which the emperor already thought that he was dead but he came back alive and he was a Christian. This bothered the Emperor Nero quite a lot and eventually Paul was called there to explain what is going on. When Paul preached the Gospel to the Emperor Nero he did it in such a way that actually upset the Emperor because the Emperor felt that Paul was assembling a heavenly army and when one reads the Apocryphal Acts there is a lot of military language there. So the Emperor saw Paul as a threat and then the story is Paul was uh, said to be to have been beheaded by uh, the Roman authorities and when his head was chopped off the story is milk spurted out of his body Of course, that probably did not really happen but what is the symbolism behind that is that Paul's body was full of the milk of teaching so much so that when he dies it actually is milk and not blood that comes, that comes out. So we do have some very famous deaths, other deaths, are, for instance, the, death of the martyrdom of Perpetua and Felicitas, two young Christian women, there's the, there's the forty Martyrs uh, of Sebastian who uh, were Roman soldiers, and we have many other stories we can sit a very long time and recount them and they are extremely interesting in themselves.
0: Um, But now let's go back more to history Uh, when one listens to these martyr stories it's clear there's a lot of um, let's say uh, fantasy uh, and myth um, woven into them but now back to history Um, exactly how widespread was the persecution of Christians and martyrdoms we have in popular imagination the idea an idea also promoted in popular media in films like Quo Ben Hur and the like um, that martyrdom was almost the defining feature of early Christian life and that most Christians either suffered it themselves or experienced it from close by. There is some scholarly dissent on this. Uh, Could you comment on this? Yes, um, so
1: initially it was thought that martyrdom, as you say, was the defining feature of early Christianity. So much so that one of the early Church Fathers of the 3rd century a man with the name of Tertullian said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the Church in other words that the Church sprouted from martyrdoms and, call, and martyrdom caused the Church to grow What we are seeing today in research is a bit of a different picture in that it seems that martyrdom was not widespread all over the Roman Empire. It was more of a sporadic event that took place in certain periods and most importantly in certain regions. So it may be that in certain regions Christian martyrdom would have been more acute than in other regi- regions where there may have been no persecution at all and no martyrdoms. Um, it also, as I say, depends on the time. So a very interesting uh, and famous account is uh, when one of the Roman governors of Bithynia, uh, Pliny writes a letter to the Emperor Trajan asking him what he should do with Christians on what grounds he should persecute the Christians and then the Emperor writes back to him and the Emperor says uh, if if a person simply calls themselves a Christian then that is enough reason to persecute them lawfully. Uh, so, but what this says is, the governors were unsure with how to deal with the Christians, and often they had bigger problems. They had bigger fish to fry, particularly governors in provinces that were on the fringes and the mar- and the margins of the Roman Empire. They had concerns of barbarian attacks. They they wanted to keep the peace. So we should not think that. And and this how this boils down to how we understand Roman law more generally today we think of law as something that is universally applied and and uh, everyone just knows about it and everyone is um, uh, accountable to the law and in the Roman times it was slightly different uh, laws were not always universally applied but they were applied according to the situation so if a town was peaceful and the Christians were there but they weren't, they were, they weren't causing any disturbances or their presence was not a problem for other inhabitants, why would a Roman governor risk some sort of disturbance in his town if everything was going fine? So it depends on where and when. So there are periods in history where it seems that some persecution flared up more than others. So um, the famous persecution of Nero for instance is one of debate as well the extent to which uh, Christians were martyred but it does seem that under Nero there was perhaps more uh, martyrdom than usual. Towards the end of the 1st century we also find perhaps a bit of a rise in in the persecution of Christians. And then the so called Great Persecution at the end of the 3rd and beginning of the 4th century under the Emperor's Diocletian and Galerius stands as one of the famous ones where the Emperor Diocletian who was a conservative uh, follower of Greek and Roman religion, the, the God the Olympian gods, uh, he wanted to formalize that religion and uh, he wanted all persons to sacrifice to these gods because ancient people believed that if you sacrifice to the gods, the gods will bless you and if you did not, it would anger the gods and the gods would punish you and often the reason why Christians were not very popular is because they were seen as angering the traditional gods because they did not bring sacrifices and this was a problem for many but it is indeed true that we should not see see martyrdom as a universal event however, Christian martyrdom and the historical events of Christian martyrdom were sporadic but the discourse of martyrdom Martyrdom as a way of speaking a language a language of dying for God that was almost universal and widespread in early Christianity and one of the reasons why up until very recently we felt we people thought at least that, Christia- uh, that persecution was so widespread in Christianity is because the discourse the language of martyrdom was so widespread and that is something that requires a lot of um, discretion when one reads it So martyrdom as a practice and martyrdom as a discourse a way of speaking a language should be
0: differentiated So um, what was then the longer term effect of martyrdoms on the culture and practices of the Christian Church in the first four or five uh, centuries of its existence,
1: martyrdom had a profound and massive effect on the formation of the ch- uh, Christian Church in the first five centuries. So, um, it's, and here I want to point to the uh, point to the event of Constantine in the beginning of the fourth century, when the Christianity became the preferred religion of the Roman state, and suddenly we have a period where martyrdom is not so widespread anymore if you are part of the so-called mainstream church um, and it's interesting that in cer- at certain councils such as the famous Council of Nicaea when some of the bishops gathered together they show, according to Eusebius they showed their marks, the marks of the persecution to one another Uh, and of course it also tells us that in early Christianity you had um, martyrs martyroi who were people who died for their faith but you also had another group of people called confessors confessors were Christians who confessed their faith and they did not give up on it but they were not killed we should not think that every Christian during persecution was necessarily killed this is not the case we have confessors, we have people who, who, who get away with who, who, who get away with some sort of fine or a lighter punishment than, than death. Um, this is also uh, very important and it makes me think of something I wanted to mention earlier that in the New Testament we often read that uh, in Acts for instance that the main persecutors of the Christians were not the Romans but the synagogue. The, the the Jewish movement of that period and the Christians perceived it as martyrdom but of course from the perspective of Jewish authorities it was not persecution but it was disciplining so martyrdom is also a matter of perspective of course but from the church's side Mm. uh, they they saw persecution as something that was directed particularly towards Christians. Now in the 4th century onwards we find that martyrdom becomes less it does not disappear it's very unfortunate that many what we now call heretical Christian groups I prefer to call them alternative Christian groups uh, those that that did not adopt the confessions and the precepts of the Council of Nicaea for instance were often persecuted by Christians themselves and killed. In the 5th century after the Council of Chalcedon where the two natures of Christ was uh, discussed there was a major outcry from a group of Christians who did not adopt the outcome of the Council. The Council said Christ had two natures a human and a divine nature which were unified but other groups said Christ only had one nature we call it today uh, Myaphysites or Anti-Chalcedonians mostly from the Eastern Syrian Church they were also persecuted and killed because they did not see Christ and His nature in the same way as those in favour of Chalcedon and those in power So. Martyrdom, in the first instance, it never stopped within the church it continued But what is perhaps more interesting is how the discourse of martyrdom that I spoke about changed into something different and what we call asceticism So when it became apparent that Christians could no longer suffer as martyrs for their faith they adopted ascetic practices practices of extreme bodily discipline in order to martyr themselves essentially So many of these monks went into the desert and they lived there under terrible circumstances eating the bare minimum often eating nothing, drinking little water not having appropriate shelter, clothing all of these things in order to, so to, to apparently discipline their body and in that way become martyrs During this period the martyrs of the previous centuries were actually divinized to a certain extent they were deified, they were, also, they were almost given divine status in what we call the cult of the martyrs so during the early, the early Christian period of the 4th century onward the martyrs were revered there were shrines built up for the martyrs and pilgrimage that went to the martyr shrines that honored the martyrs so these martyrs were then taken up into memory and they start serving a bit of a different purpose but martyrdom never stopped Heretics were martyred and also the early Christian monks and ascetics saw their discipline and practice as a form of martyrdom
0: Thank you, uh, Professor Devet, for this uh, visit and talk on uh, martyrdom in the uh, Greco-Roman world and in uh, Christianity and um, for sharing some insights into how Christianity was shaped by martyrdom.
1: Thank you very much. It has been a privilege and I hope you and the students will enjoy reading the texts and learning more about this fascinating and important subject. Thank you.